producer dude we have another character i'm starting to see a trend here lots of characters in the fishing well, industry you know there really is yeah. I, I don't know if that's I'm just the ones that, that i'm learning that i'm not sure if it's that's just the ones that are the ones that hang around or the ones that are still standing but we have a, a longtime friend of mine brian the bro they call him bros doll and he is kind of the ice guy that's kind of what he's known for even though i'm sure we'll talk about some other things because he's been an open water guide and tournament fisherman and i used to fish against him for a number of years there but he's he's kind of a character uh, he talks as much as i do um and he, but he usually got something pretty good to say so unlike um, you Right. Exactly. Precisely. That's why we have such amazing guests on the Big Water Podcast. I don't know if we should keep him waiting any longer because me and you are just going to salt insult each other on and on and on. But what about we bring this man in? Brian Brosall, aka the bro. Welcome to the Big Water Podcast. Thanks for giving us your time. I appreciate it. Me and you have done a little uh never fishing in the same boat. We've been around each other a whole bunch through the business end of things and pop up at all the same stuff but it's good to kind of sit down and talk a few stories a little bit of chaos um i definitely want to talk to heather a little bit too because i mean she's obviously my favorite bro still so oh, no everybody offense. likes her more than they like me it's easy us ginger guys we're, we're always you know deep <laughs> duty but so you know i, I people they probably know you for the ice thing, right? I mean, that seems to be kind of your your niche. And I know living yeah. in your neck of the woods, you get it for five, six months, and we get it for five days. But how did this whole thing start? I mean, everybody has the same story. I love to fish, but most people don't have the balls to like see through the hard times to make a living like you have for so many years fishing. Like, what was it like that that like in the early years in northern Minnesota for you? Well, uh, you, you learned how to like kill deer and and eat deer and uh no it was it wasn't easy uh i remember many many a nights loading wood down this ramp to bring to the the furnace the, and just happened to be a furnace in the basement and how could there be a, anything worse and cutting and sawing and and uh, i like propane now just give me propane you know just <laughs> just turn it on and uh it, you know it might be becoming a cake eater a little bit but um just give me propane. <laughs> I like an on switch. Uh, maybe it's because that's what I have in my boat. And, you know, it's like Humminbird. You turn the on switch and everything's easy to use. I mean, I need something like that. But in the old days, it wasn't easy. And we're not money motivated, but don't don't tell any of my sponsors that. But uh, we, uh, <laughs> we, we can live very frugal, and we always have. And that's the thing in, in this industry. If you want money... You can make it in fishing, but you're going to be a, a small percentage of fishing, truly, to, to make a living at it. But uh, I, I guess I just wanted to be a, around water because water is my big excuse to be in extraordinary places and see stuff and hear stuff. And I, I'm, I'm, you know, water's a magnet to me. Me too. Me too. So was it guiding? Is that kind of how you, cause you're in Northern Minnesota. You've always been up that neck of the woods, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not, not so much up here, you know, in, in the early days, I would take people for anything that's uh, open water, musky, panfish, walleyes. The difference between all of those species is I still, to this day from 28 years ago, even 27 from 25 to 28 years ago, I can go out on a panfish spot in the spring, and the same boats I guided that many years ago are still fishing the same spots. And it's not like that with walleyes. Walleyes change. But it's one and done with panfish. They just want to know the spot, and then they go for it. So that's why I do walleyes, because it's uh, panfish. You go up in the weeds by a red house, you know, and you're up in the bulrushes, and, and people find their way back, and they're not bashful. They'll just go back and keep taking them, and, and it's their spot. But walleyes are different. You don't have any weeks the same. And I have clients that say that in 15 years, we've never started on the same spot and sometimes the same lake twice. And and they're just amazed. And it's it's a hunt and it's a race. And and I'm not on giant water like you are, but uh, they keep you guessing. But there's a slight pattern, you know. And so guiding was never super... It, it paid the bills. Let's just say that. And uh, sponsorships help uh, pay the bill, a little gas and groceries. But I've had sponsors for a long time, cash sponsors in over 25 years. And I'm kind of 
you might say I just happened into it. I, I've, I've always been into fishing, and you find out that, and you know this, uh, even if you're in fishing enough, you don't have to pursue it. It comes to you, and you get phone calls, and uh, you're, if people know you as the person for that spot or area or what you condone sells, they will call you, and so you got to make yourself known. I uh, I agree with that wholeheartedly. It, you know, cash sponsorships can be hard to get and harder to keep, but if you're doing the right stuff, it's it's surprisingly. I, I don't want to use the word easy, but I think that I, I never really thought about it like with what you said about the panfish thing, backing up a little bit, because that from a guide, yeah, when you can, I'm just so not used to that because you can see across the lakes and throw a baseball across some of the lakes that you may fish, you know, yeah. little slews and small deals and little bottlenecks. But yeah, out where I'm at, I mean, I tell people all the time, they're like, oh, we'll, we'll come here tomorrow. I'm like, go for it. They aren't going to be here this afternoon. Like, <laughs> they move 5, 10, 15, 20 miles in a day. And um, we've actually had some guys on that anybody listens to our podcast, Chris Vandergood and um, Travis Hartman, both the fisheries guys for the Great Lakes area. They, uh, they put the radio trackers or acoustic telemetry is the proper term. And the amount that these fish move, it is insane, insane yeah. at how far they'll move. Job security. Oh, my gosh. A, a little sidebar for somebody that hasn't listened to our stuff. They had a muskie up in Lake St. Clair, and it went to Buffalo, New York. Oh, jeez. And, and it, Tanner, producer, dude, if you remember this, every five years, that, that muskie and a couple other ones make that trip all the way to New York. They can't figure out why, but it's like every four or five years they do that. And then just he's, then they hang around in Lake St. Clair the other three or four years. The food must be good there. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, another one. Yeah, one of your. Well, that's one of my favorite lines. Is one of your northern Minnesota boys I used to fish with quite a bit. He's always told me, "Fish don't go far from the grocery store. It doesn't matter what species they are." No, they want groceries. Yeah. So, the, the ice fishing deal. I mean, was that just because you know? I would say that Dave Gens is kind of the guy that you know people think of with the fold over shack and all that stuff. You know, I work with those guys on the on the ice team thing, and and that's they get a lot of credit for that, but. People in your neck of the woods, they make more money, let's say a resort or something, ice fishing, because they can run more people in, in just as many days as they do or longer, more days than you would have a summer season. Is that right? Absolutely. And it's, you know, ice fishing is a culmination of so many people's efforts. And and he was a focal point of it. And he's a great person and we're friends. Um, but there's there's a lot of people I've always looked up to. Um, to Dave and uh, Doug Stangy, anybody that would get the word out. And when I was younger, I remember reading a lot of how he approached things as a teacher, Doug Stangy and um, the Linders dabbled in nice, but they did it really well. And th their stuff stuck, stuck to home. And, and even uh, uh, Tom Grunewald, um, mm -hmm. uh, just, just a, there's a whole bunch of people and some of the hardcore Malax ice fishing people that uh, were farmers in the summer and very techno savvy in the winter. Uh, when I was a kid, I was around these people and they were using rods and reels when everybody laughed about rods and reels. And they're using fly reels way back then and jigging with uh, small uh, spoons, uh, Swedish pimples back then before anything else existed. We're talking about, you know, right after the wheel was invented, but uh, <laughs> it, it always impressed me. And that was, Right on the verge when electronics come out, and um, I when I was a kid, I made my own ice fishing rods, and and I can't tell you it's so accepted now. But back then, it was it was people would laugh, you know, because it's not a jiggle stick stuck in the ice, it's not a, a tip up, it's not a uh, a rattle reel on the wall, and and now you think you couldn't who would ever want to hand over hand anything? So when I see, I'm sorry guys out there with the schoolies. Um, that doesn't push the needle in ice fishing. It's really cool for you right now. And it's always been there, but it's light. I get it, but it doesn't push the needle in ice fishing. There's no company that's going to, you know, excel because you're using a little plastic reel. And I know that if there's, it's a light thing, it's a tournament thing. It's, you know, but, uh, um, so we're, at, we're advanced. We've got super technical rods and reels and, and electronics forward viewing, uh, it's amazing. T tonight I watched walleyes come in from 10 feet away and swim up, and I could I could cater to them on Mega Live and watch them come up and bump my lure circle around, 
and I started pulling it away, and they'd hit it, and I'd set the hook, and you could see their their top fin. You could tell they're not a pike. It was really cool. Well, let's we'll we'll get into that because I definitely want to talk with you about that. But I mean, let's back up a little bit. Even in my lifetime, right? I mean, Dave they, is considered the godfather ice fishing or what have you, and because of some of those early advancements. But that's only like let's say forty years, which in the big picture is not much. And when you look at like when even when you started ice fishing, right, which was before me, I'll give you that. You know, you're out there in, in Carhartts at best, getting soaked, freezing your butt off. Now we've got these float suits. Like you said, we've got the spooler reels. I mean, the, the shacks are just amazing. They're lighter. They're more they're just just the advancement in, in the shacks in, in our time, for sure, of going to the, um, the insulation from just the, the, the regular tent material. Yeah. It's like ridiculous. You don't hardly almost don't need a heater unless you live in your neck of the woods in the middle of the winter with one well, of those. That's that's absolutely true. And you know, my my first flip style house I actually bought from Dave Gens at Vado's Bait. And there's a lot of people who know Vado's Bait Express yep. because you, you can order uh, maggots and stuff, but I bought it from him personally as a kid, and uh, that was my first flip style house, and it was the white one. And um, you still have it. No, I used it till it was shreds, and and uh, you know I'm uh, uh, many years later, uh, and, and and I was there, and many years later I'm with another company, but it all boils down to uh, the fishing industry was a real tiny little thing back then, and I remember there's guys like the Grizz and the Capras and and all these people that were, and you know Gary Roach. And you know him very well. I know the uh, roacher. We have we've had him on the podcast. Can you believe we got him to do a podcast? Oh, he's he's awesome. And he, the guy has always loved ice fishing, so he's seen the stuff from the humble beginnings. Uh, Felogy, um is one of those guys that uh, uh, figured out how how to ice fish at a long, long time ago and, and find mud flats out in the middle of nowhere. But I still I still wish way back then I would have bought land on the. Con- Catawba Peninsula near Lake Erie there so I could have uh, a little spring home to go to but uh, it's too rich for my blood now. I'm uh, I'm not very far from there as we speak actually. <laughs> I know I know it's it's a cool area and I always I always like that when I when we're uh, past winter and everybody's all excited and everything's thawing and melting but you can't get on the ice anymore and the rainy river is closed I always run to your neck of the woods because they're mowing lawn, you're mowing lawns in your area. The grass is green. The birds are starting to make nests. And back at home, it looks like Halloween. It looks everything's dead. <laughs> the, the grass is brown, and then you get snowstorms. But there's no reason you can't get out to the ice unless you got a willcraft. And um, and the river's closed over there, so that's when everybody either goes to the liquor store or they go fishing. And I choose to go fishing. <laughs> That's probably that's probably good for both of us. But so kind of again backing up a little bit again. I mean, be honest. I you're a straight shooter like I am. Where it, did you get into this ice fishing thing the way that you are? Because I'm not taking away from you. You obviously been a successful tournament angler and open water guy. But yeah. people know you as an ice guy. I mean, maybe oh, yeah. that's maybe that's not fair to say. Is it? Uh, it's it's true because you know in the tournaments. I, I never, I never won the, the FLW. I never won the NWT. I've had uh, third, fourth, fourth. I was king of fourth place for a couple of years, and and just I was up there. And then my last year, I probably had one check cash. And then, you know, I was just I didn't have enough time to devote to it. I was a fishing guide playing in a millionaires club, and you got to have time. You got to have equal time. Uh, you know, and I, I did find schools of fish, and sometimes I put it together. But it's when you're in that circle, if you get any of it, you're doing good. And I think it really helped me improve uh, the experience my clients have when I go fishing. But I've also learned to tone it back a little bit because they're they're not out for a hyper. Uh, let's uh, glean through the school super fast, and and they they want to enjoy it. And consistency is is important. But you know. Uh, it's it's time away, and other other than that, I loved it. Tournaments to me were an excuse to be in extraordinary places, but it's it's a vacation with a little bit of stress. Because I'd say a little more than a little bit. Well, no, a little bit of stress because you're there and you have to get. I have to go to Erie. And you talk to everybody; they all got the same 
the same knowledge gathering, and then there's people with teams, and they spread out. And I was a one man uh, wolf pack, you might say, like that movie, that Las Vegas movie. But I just went out there, and and I, you could have been I great I, in that movie, by the way. You could have been the man in the hangover. I, it would be fun, yeah. And uh, but when actually, when I, can I can I interrupt you because this yeah. is so left field, scatterbrained. I was I was at a uh, a deal with some sponsors in Orlando. You, do you know where this might be going? And yeah. we're we're in the ice bar, and they got these big jackets on. Oh, and, yeah. and some of the guys with me, again, other sponsors are like, "Who's that idiot over there in the t-shirt?" So you <laughs> didn't have the big parka and the hat thing on, and you're walking through there, and you came up to me, and you're like, "Hey, what's up, man?" And one of my sponsors was like, "Why has that not surprised me that you know him?" <laughs> Oh, you know, it was it was cool in there, but it felt good. I mean, here I am. I'm a person that lives. If you take the whole year's average, it probably averages out to 50 degrees. You know, I mean, we have we were 90s this year, but we get minus 40 here in a lot of below zero. You start out below zero and then you make it up to 10 or 20. Well, anyway, I go down there and it's hot out there. I mean, you're talking 80. Oh, and humidity is just ridiculous. It's like Minnesota. We get real muggy, and it's muggy in Florida. It's that jungle heat kind of thing that we have up in Minnesota. And so there's the ice bar. I was in there. I was very happy. I was elated to be in there, and it was so nice. I could have just – but then after a while, I was like, okay, I've cooled down now. The sweat is frozen on my body. And uh, I, But I tell you what, you could tell I enjoyed it. Producer, dude, you, I mean, you ever been to an ice bar? Do you know what he's talking about? I'm assuming, I mean, it, I'm assuming it was a, it's a room at the conference or something. It's no, it's an actual bar that oh. is literally like a walk-in freezer and everything is ice. Like the counter is ice. Like everything in there, is, it's below freezing. It's literally a bar. Oh, I thought it was a test room at ICAST or something. Well, no, I think no, no, no. 15 no, it's, Wall was the name yeah. of it. 15 Wall. I thought it was like zero degrees, but I, I don't. I don't know. We, blow or something like that. It was something I, below zero. I'm betting the ice bar in Orlando, Florida. Before we hang up with this, the producer dude will he will be our our guy and get this information out. But you go in there and they have these like giant parkas, like these big like I don't know if they're real fur or not. Probably not, but these giant like Russian hats, and everybody puts one of these things on and they go in the ice bar, and everything's it's quite literally everything's covered in ice. Yeah. And, and you're in there in a t-shirt. And I was like, okay. But anyway, backing up, because me and you like are all over the place like a fart in a jug. My, <laughs> my, my question was, which, which is good, is, you know, did you get into the ice fishing thing just because there's more of an opportunity, to be honest, more of an opportunity to make money? Or is it because like that's five or six months a year for you? Or I, I love ice fishing. I really do. And that's it's my favorite sport part of fishing i mean uh, i've been asked many times what would you take i would take ice fishing but i like bites whether it's open water or ice and um i would say ice fishing to me is uh is, is a lot more peaceful uh you don't have uh I'm, i have nothing against wake boats but i ain't got no wake boat just about throwing me out of my boat and i don't have I mean, like how many pontoons and tritoons have they sold with 200 plus horsepower motors the lakes i'm on are in the are up in the, the woods of northern minnesota but they're getting so much traffic uh one of the lakes i guide on cast lake had 1400 boats on it on the fourth of july and and so you know on the fifth of july i didn't go back there i went elsewhere i found a lake that had five boats on it and it was great but i gotta say um, I hundred percent agree, but here's I have a funny thing. You may not even have seen this. I won't say the company, but a company me and you both work with. A couple of, of our bosses there were out doing a media shoot on the ice like a week ago, maybe not even that. Did you know what I'm talking about? And they're doing a shoot. They're they're doing a shoot, making a commercial thing. And some dude, do you remember? Did you see this? They drill a hole like six feet behind them, and they're like literally in the middle of shooting this camera deal. And this guy just walks up and drills a hole. There's no one else on the lake. He drills a hole like six feet from him. And I'm like, and I'll tell you afterwards about it. But one of the guys put it up on his social media, his personal social media. And I was laughing. And, you know, I don't know if you get that. I mean, I'm on obviously the Great Lakes. I mean, there it's, it's a lot harder to not only get on somebody because of the sheer volume, but also we're not fishing uh, generally a little point or a weed break or something like we're fishing these mud flats that are five miles long right and the fish are here then they're gone and people still it's crazy 
to your point of like, yeah, you don't have weight boats, or but don't you just have some knucklehead, just jackasses that just drill on top of you? Well, I always figure someone moving in on me might be a friend I haven't met yet. I have oh. to think something positive because I'm not. I'm, I approach it from a uh, a perspective of hey, this you don't know. I mean, they don't know. Uh, they they're probably not from there because I get a lot of people that look for me, and if they find me, they will drill up. But they kind of they give me a little little uh, buffer zone. Sometimes they don't, uh, but I'll help them out. I give them a little bit of advice, and then sometimes they call me later. But you really don't want to do that when someone's guiding because. I, I get clients. I even talk. I tell my clients this not to start nothing. They'll they'll ask them if they want to split the bill and stuff like that. And and uh, <laughs> but it's it's what it is. Is they're just people, and um, you know you don't. They might be nuts. Maybe they're not. But so, sometimes people do things, and they, you know, you just got to give them the benefit of a doubt. So that's me being, uh, you know, maybe part Sweden kind of neutral. Too, but, you're, you're too kind and too gracious. I'll help them out. And if they're drilling too many holes and scaring fish, I'll give them some of my holes that I drilled and just, you know, just tell them, you know, it just fish right there. But, you know, that being said, in other areas, uh, in, in other areas in Minnesota, I've, I've heard when it gets busy here and you have uh, up to maybe five, six, seven states fishing in an area um that people will get so close that they're fishing in each other's holes and i've there's been altercations and and police called uh for fights that started because a guy drilled a hole that was this froze over but it was from the day before and he said that's my hole from the other day so some people just get a little bit too hot under the collar and (laughs) if they move in on me i'll just leave i just go somewhere else Producer, dude, you, you don't even need to hear me say this out loud, but bro is a lot more tame than I am, right? Yeah, it sounds, I mean, like, he, it sounds like he just, okay, I'll, yeah, you know, there's yeah, lots yeah, of yeah. ice, I'll so, make another hole. You would fight over that hole. You would be oh, the well, guy that would be I, like, yeah, yeah, that's my would. hole. Well, the, the, one of the altercations, it was a really nice guy here, and he's, but he's big guy, he's like 6'4", and he's he's a construction guy, and, and uh, another guy from another state said, you need to get out of my hole. I drilled that hole yesterday, and he and he told him you're going to have to get a two by four. He goes, "Are you threatening me with a two by four? I said, "You're going to need that to stop me." <laughs> and so he called the cops, and he said, "You threatened with a two by four? I said, "No, I just told him you better have one if I come after him." I start singing. <laughs> yeah, Heather is starts that, singing, and, and is that our and, favorite Heather right there? Is, yeah. I, I, start, I start singing, and they leave. She'll they sing naturally. She'll, she'll Heather, sing. show yourself. Heather, show yourself right now. Where are you at? You're. Just, I can all hear you. Look at your nice yellow aqua view shirt. No, no so, I was just. I was just going to say, I start singing, and then naturally they skedaddle. Is that because of your rock, your bad rock singing, or what? I'm a horrible singer, and she, that's my device. She's she's a good performer. Wedding. You know, you know some like I always tell her that some of these bands, like look at the Stones, Mick Jagger could never sing, but he sounded great. You know, so you throw in a little move and you you start going with it, right? Just attitude, know. right? Just yeah. Just attitude. I'm, I'm, I'm a fisherman, and I'm when it comes to music too. Whatever's on the jukebox, I'm fine with, you know. And uh, she's very specific with what she likes. And I could go to anybody's uh, a band or party and be fine with it. You're much easier going. Have you said you actually see a fight because of ice fishing, like in person? Um, no, I just hear people. Yeah, and then that's what she wanted me to show. She's actually <laughs> this is her music. You know, like uh, good album producer, producer dude. He, producer dude is our music guy. Yeah, uh, and she album. actually met Johnny Rotten, so that's her claim to fame too, and the whole band. Uh, and they're they're real mellow, and 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 uh, you know, I'm just I had to make sure that I could get her out of there. But, you know, you hear rock and roll stories, right? So uh, I gotta this, give those two for vinyl. This, this is yeah. This is this conversation is going hard right, left. We'll quick. go back to fishing. <laughs> Okay. Okay. No more distractions, please, uh, from the rock and roll gallery over there. She is yeah, a I like rock country. and roller. I like country. You've ever looked at my TikTok? There's a lot of country on there, and and uh, I don't like just one kind. And you know, if you want to throw in some uh, anything, you know, something funky, I'll listen to it in a boat. I don't care. But I, I'm a. I like country. Probably is my favorite in rock and roll. If I'm tired to wake me up when I'm driving. 
This is interesting. I want to still talk about fights. Have you seen a fight on the ice? Like as much ice fishing as you do, and I know there's knuckleheads. There's knuckleheads everywhere. Uh, you know, I not not too much. I've seen um, yelling and and you know a little bit on the ice over uh, holes or a decision for driving on to a lake with a truck and getting buried in slush. And I see people yelling, but I haven't seen any fights. I sure have. Uh, calm people down when i pull up with my track truck and i pull them out then they stop fighting with each other um but you know that being said um it's kind of hard on your machinery to do that all day long but uh uh it's you know everybody seems good the only places i've actually seen altercations is you go to get something to eat afterwards at a at a local um bar and restaurant and those are the people fighting outside if you if you're there too long you might see one well, that, that might be brown bag induced, as we say. Yeah. And I, I, I can tell you one of the coolest ones I saw on the ice. If there's, Maybe that's not a good phrasing of it. But there was a guy in an airboat who didn't really know how to drive it. And out here in this, you know, our wind is just crazy. And he took about 20 little flip over shacks that were all right tight together. You know, you get these little groups. You've seen them out here. Oh, yeah. And the airboat was like aiming like left. And the wind blew him right, and he went right through those guys. And I mean, the guys were in their shacks getting pushed. Oh, uh, can you imagine just ripped right out of your hole? I mean, he had them guys that were pinned up against the thing, and all I can tell you is there was some there was some fists thrown that day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's you know stuff happens out there, and uh, you know that's where uh, that's where it's. Yeah, it's interesting. Let's just say that. I'm glad I wasn't those guys. Yeah. I mean, as, as a guide, I mean, as, you know, stories, everybody loves stories. I mean, you, you've you got to have, I mean, I can remember covering you doing some media when I used to work for FLW, um, like at that Leech Lake tournament. Yeah. And I can remember, there, I can remember there was some shenanigans that went on there because you were fishing this back little area. A bunch of guys followed you in. And did you have something with a co-angler happen there too? I don't really remember. Oh, yeah. Well, I was in uh, first place on day four. So if it was three turn three day tournament, I would have won it and I would have killed everybody. But day four, I, I went and I'd get my unders. You're only allowed two fish over uh, at the time uh, eighteen or uh, they can't touch eighteen. So eighteen to twenty six. And the two days prior, I got my two over twenty six. I had usually twenty eights, and I got all all my overs. And so I go get my unders, then go get my overs. And we just got our last under. It was 17 and three quarters and it was just a, just a fat little fish. And I'm like, that's going to give us an extra pound over the day before let's go get the big fish. Now, great job here. I opened the live well door and I said, throw it in. And he threw it in the lake. And so, <laughs> we, had three, we had three hours and it took him, um, one and a half hours to get replace that fish. And, and oh. you know, would you have gone for small fish at the time? They weren't, they were kind of, there wasn't much for small fish in my big Dude. fish area. They were just um well I, I got I ended up in third place and it's it's what it is. I mean the the difference between um I think it would have been eight thousand, eighty thousand and and uh thirteen or was it fifteen thousand, something like that. So it's you know, he made a mistake, and right away he started panicking and hyperventilating. And I said, "Hey, don't worry, it's my fault. I'll be clear." I just I opened the well and said, "Throw it in." So I said, "I'll tell you to throw it in the well next time." Actually, no, oh. don't throw it, lock it, and set it in. But I I, I would have never thought it. And so a plan that I had, I probably should have went for big fish and just had less fish because, but I had a spot that was good for two. I caught five fish over one day and the smallest was 27 up to 32 inches in you know it's uh you know sometimes you're not allowed to call so you take your first big fish and um so i had a pretty good spot and i know we would have got at least one for sure but uh, all i needed is i didn't need much to win that and uh, that was a big turning point but you can't get mad there's a lot of stress on the co the co had i think he had like you know, I don't know what he had uh, to win. It wasn't that much, but uh, he he could have won twenty grand if he would have probably, you know. But anyway, it's it takes two, you know. So um, I, I'll take that. Oh my place. god! I'll Dude. take that. Place. Uh, and it was it was a great experience. Um, and um, 
you know, let's just say that it was a waste of big fish spots or big fish, couple big fish spots because they didn't get touched that day. And they probably, after that, I went for the big fish and then skipped the little fish. But that's not always the way either. You got to have, you have to have the biggest of each category. You can't go, it's like in Mille Lacs one time. So if you would have caught a 28 though that day, if you would have got an over or two, you, you still would have won though. If I would have got a 26 and only had, in, in, without even that other one, I would have won. I, I, I didn't lose by that much. I think I lost by three or four pounds. But uh, it was still a cool experience, and that's uh, that's a lot of minnow money, you might want to say. But uh, and So let's go the other way. Let's get a big fish. Malax is full of fish, but that slot is really tough out there. And when I did an FLW league on Malax, I uh, nobody was getting anything over 28. And that's how big they had to be over or under 17 or under 18 again. So I was out fishing. You catch so many big fish. I caught one that that's uh, another 26. It was a 28 and a quarter. So I, I measured it to, and I, I can't believe I got one. I threw it in the well. Then I threw in a 17 and three quarter, another one. And then I started throwing back 16 and a half and 17s because I'm just waiting for perfect ones. And then they stopped biting. And from 11 o'clock until three o'clock, I went to every corner of that lake and I ended up keeping 15s. And I, and I missed her by just, ounces and i ended up in second place so uh is it bad it's it's what it is right so second second place is good um decision making right i mean you're right on monday you're wrong on tuesday it it, well i'm just lucky to have that fish and the winner had a perfect stringer of unders uh and and they're they're real nice ones but i would have crushed it i mean it could have uh well you know, gone through, but I, I sorted those fish out. So when I was at Devil's Lake one time, uh, at the, at one of the uh, championships, I, I kept a big fish right away and it was a 30 incher. And it was a no brainer. It was my first drop. And that fish I had, the co-angler went to net it and he hooked my puppet minnow on the outside of the fish's mouth on the net. So, was shaking. so he didn't know what to do. And we're in big waves. And I said, all you can do now is roll it like a tennis racket and flip it in the boat. So he said, what do you mean? I said, turn it underneath him and and flip it in the boat. And he flipped it, and it landed on the railing, and it rolled inside. And uh, Oh, my God. He was, you- he was useless for about for about 20 minutes. The guy's heart must have been racing. I know he sat down and smoked like five cigarettes, and I said, you got to get back in the game, buddy. And, uh, and while he was doing that, I, I netted my own fish a couple of times. And I always like to talk after that. Oh, that never happened to me before. And when you hear that, you know. <laughs> so, hey, hey, I'm going to tell you right now, as a guy who's guided, I don't know, pushing 5,000 days or something insane at this point, you do not let anyone touch the net. Like, I'm not I probably let them drive my truck before the net. I mean, I, and I use a I use a big net for a little different deal than what you're doing. But yeah. the things that I've seen with people, if you want to have a video of just screw-ups, just hand somebody a net. I don't care if they think they know what they're doing or not. They, you know, The first thing to do is they stick it in the water or they don't realize the drag. And Oh, my gosh. Well, That's and it, it happens fast. It happens fast. You're catching pike out there. You're catching. But the first fish was just a monster, and we got it. And then we – there again. So I, I, I kept everything, uh, and then uh, it was a good tournament. Uh, day two wasn't – quite as good um when when things laid down but there it was so rough that you could have actually knocked your windows off under a bridge that normally is if you stand you'd have to stand in a ladder to touch when you're going up you think you're going to lose your windows under this bridge coming into from bay to bay but what an amazing fishery and tournaments are fun they're an excuse that's, by the way that's a good place to lose a whole lot of puppet minnows right there isn't it <laughs> Yeah, how many how many did you dump in there? Because that that, I I know about that spot, and there's probably about ten thousand of them already stuck down there. You're probably snagging on other ones. Well, and you know, on that that famous spot at takeoff off that road, whatever, um, I was pulling up something and it was coming, and I'm like, well, geez, I hope this ain't like uh, you know a, a, a dead cow or something out here, and and I'm bringing it up, and a boat went by really fast and really close in one of the tournament boats. Gave me a little bit of a wake, and the rod shot out of my hands. And with braid, you get to the end of the tournament, you don't have no 
fluorocarbon leader anymore. And you put a fluorocarbon leader so you have a place to break your line. So I'm using a 12-pound braid, and when that boat went by, just about knocked me out of my boat, the rod shot out of my hands, and I watched it on my hummingbird go all the way down to the bottom. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, dude. I was so close to catching, and I bet you it would have been a pile of uh, jig-style baits. And I was hoping to get it just to see what it was. And uh, but we had we already had our fish, and the boat was covered in in blood and in slime, and all of our towels were slimed up. And I just remember being at this bridge, and you think you're going to be the only one or two or three boats, and I had nine boats next to me, and you had to defend your ground. I had a rock under me, and I wasn't letting anybody on it. And I got a couple. 26 is really fast and some 19 so you're you're happy spot but lock is really helpful right now now it is back then it wasn't and you, you you're in heavy wind and by the time it adjusted you'd be banging off boats you couldn't use the old one the new one i could have sat there and i could have had lunch you know after i got my fish and and you don't want to give up your spot but anyway so uh you know you're you're, you're, you're racing to these areas, you're in giant waves, and there's people hitting and knocking off their lower units here and there. And, but you know what? It's still an absolute blast. And what I take with me on this, in this tournament, I was moving my puppet minnows really slow, and I was bringing them in the boat, and, and none of the other pros seen this, but in, in little, like, cool whip type of bowls, I had scent. So I could bring in my puppets at the same time, dip them, and then drop them back down. And then I, instead of ripping it, people who were ripping them were catching pike after pike after pike. And they're dealing with pike, and the pike were going all over the place. And they moved them slow, and I caught walleyes. So, but, you know, if... Okay, let's back up. Let's back up, because this is a tip here. I'm going to steal it. What kind of scent are you doing that you're dipping in a bowl that's staying on? Uh, back then, I was actually, I was using uh, Dr. Juice. Oh, yeah, I got some. And, and I, I just poured it. I just squeezed it in. And if a wind gust would have hit it, my bolt would have stunk for a year. Oh, but that stuff is nasty. It's nasty, but I dunked it in there and, and just moved it slow. And the water was murky and churned up. And I had boats all around me. And these fish are swimming through this field of lines. But I was moving them slow. And then when, as soon as you hit the bottom, you got to pull it away. Otherwise, you've lost because there's fabric under the bridge with rocks and line draped all over. So you had to touch and get out of there. And then, of course, uh, never gave it as a tip, but I upsized my treble hooks. And I, you know, I put some uh, just one size up uh, Gamma Cats with trebles on the bottom of those. But why, we could go on and turn. Why do the manufacturers not do that? I, don't, I, I do it on every single one of mine because if I don't, it's just, why do I, they not I, do it? I don't want to do that where I'm catching eater walleyes or not in a tournament because you're probably not going to lose them anyway. Um, but in that situation with all that wave, all that action, and that that's a big money fish, you want to get it up there. And But when I'm pitching and, it, and you're out guiding or if you're out fishing, you're not going to lose them. You're Man, gonna lose them. I don't know about that. I, I well, big ones, giant ones maybe, you know. I, I But, you know, I, I'll upsize Lake of the Woods, where you're at obviously, but if I'm on a lake where I know I'm not going to catch anything over 23 inches, I don't need that big hook because sometimes we're, we're catching jumbo perch mixed in and it it's just a little bit more hardware in that thing. So there's a time and a place and um, I even size them up like when I go to Lake of the Woods and you, you are going to catch big fish. If you, if you fish hard up there, you're going to catch some some, you know, fish. You can catch a 30 plus or uh, not every time, but sometimes you catch multiples over 28 and uh, there's a lot of slot fish and you, they got a big jawbone, and you catch pike that are over 40 inches. So I upsize there. But, you know, if I if there's an area where there's perch and other stuff, I don't want that big hook. Uh, it, you know, you just don't need to. Um, so that, a, that kind of brings up another question. So do you think you know, just simple things like that treble hook thing? Me and you do a lot of product design and working with the companies with that. Do you – I know I need Honest Pro now. Don't lie to me. I'm going to have a hook to lie detector test up to you. And producer dude will shoot you. Uh, do you think that the companies are worse or better about listening to stuff now? It's I, they. Th there's a renaissance. No, uh, I, I would say that uh, like like in lures, my comp my company over there, Northland Tackle, it, they are all 
they're as much as you want to give to them, they'll, they'll, they'll pick up, but they've always been like that. Um, you know, in all, all my companies, they listen in electronics companies, they got engineers, never used to meet them in the past. Now, you, now you know who they are and they want to know everything. Now, I think there's a progressiveness to it and, and they all want the same thing. Something that's just catch a, catches a wicked amount of fish and, and I, I'm seeing it more than ever, but it was always there. But there, it's it's the race to be the best, I think, right now. And uh, so, trying to improve on something in different categories is harder. In electronics, there's been a conveyor belt, but now the conveyor belt is getting tougher because we're bending technology, we're 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 inventing technologies. Now, you take uh, forward viewing. Uh, Humminbird made their own technology because everything else was patented. So you, you got to give them the cred. They are they're cutting edge and their engineers are way out there. And what do they got to come next? A lot more. But in tackle, and how do you reinvent a fish house? How do you reinvent a tip up? How do you reinvent a rod? You know, and uh there's you know, in, in rods themselves, there's a bunch of rods. They all come from the same origin. They just spin and paint them differently here and give them a cool name. But who makes the rods from scratch? Who has their own, you know? Well, you're right. It's 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 the technology. You know the blank materials. Um, you know it's 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 crazy with that stuff. But you know, so when you started, you kind of threw some you threw some big ones in there. But we'll we'll back up. You know, forward facing uh, sonar or whatever, like Mega Live. Like yeah. me and you, we run, we're running Hummingbird Mega Live. That is just, I, I don't know. I think even more so to me than side imaging, this is a technology that if you're not using it in the next few years, you are going to get drastically left behind. Is that fair? Oh, yeah. I, I absolutely agree with you. And, you know, uh, I, I didn't really do tournaments this year, but when I could pick out which fish is the biggest one, there's a screen snapshot from earlier tonight. I had a big walleye come in. And did I get him? Yeah, I got a picture of him. Um, but yeah, you know, if you're in a tournament and you, you're going along with side imaging, I had side imaging, and I I only did a couple tournaments last this last year because I didn't have forward viewing and uh, and I was waiting for my company. But um, the the people who were out there who had side imaging would see three walleyes, and the other boats were picking off the biggest of the three walleyes. See the difference. I, I, you, you just want to get one of the three, and they're picking off the twenty-seven while you're casting into the two twenty-threes. That's the difference, and they're also fishing in ten feet of water, four to five feet down, and setting the hook without looking at the rod tip or their bobber. Just yeah, it's, on, it's it's crazy, and you know, you look at like a hummingbird, or even me and you are starting to put this on the social media stuff to to be able to watch the fish swim at you and see. I mean, let's talk about this. Let's just talk about me and you. How many how many hours did we spend trying to learn something, or just how many fish did we before me and you use some experience to switch to a different lure or locations or whatever to try to give them the bite? Where you can look down immediately and know, hey, if they don't want a puppet minnow today, they want that. Yeah, and you, you can you can just see it's it's really cool. And here's me just trying to hold the fo- of the phone and jig to a school of perch. That's and then there, there's a fish coming up the hole, but as you see me land it, watch, watch the the voracious school of perch. You can see, okay, I, that's how good a camera guy I am. Okay, right there, <laughs> they're all waiting for it to come down, and you could see. Oh, I tell you, but don't you? I mean, to me, <laughs> one of the biggest advantages of this, aside from being able to pick out the fish, obviously, is when fish are like hell no with your presentation, whether it's the type of bait, right? Yeah, it is absolutely the truth, and it's just fun. And uh, you know, it's you can see that you can see how they act. And walleyes get real fidgety. If they want it, they'll circle around. And you didn't see that traditionally, right. except on a hummingbird, or not hummingbird on the Aquaview. You'd see it disappear around you and come. And then if you had the quad camera, which you got on now, you you could see what it's doing. But still, here you could see even past your field of view, it's coming around. You're like, here it comes. And then it's coming through, you continue doing your jigging cadence. And then as it comes close and it touches it, you just slowly start jigging it away and boom, they take it. And that's 
that's what I had to do here for, for my walleyes the past couple nights. And um, you, you, where would you have that without this? And I like, here's, I don't care what anybody's got. You can do all these comparisons or anything. I'm walking around with a Helix 8 G4, G4N, and, and I could walk around that thing's light in the new shuttle with a lithium battery, and it's got more pixels. It's a clear thing, and I've got my transducer and no black box. I've got the stick, and I've got this light unit. So you're not, And I know my, I had a guy who had this other unit, and it's just this great big thing, and and this, and he's got all kinds of stuff going on. It's heavy, and you know, people are leaving them at home if they get too bulky. So I think the we all yeah, wanted giant screens, and now we're going back. Yeah, some of them you can't even fit them in a milk crate or anything, you know, right? <laughs> no, no, you can't. And so carry around a ten or twelve or fifteen inch screen uh, for a few trips, and then carry a Helix Eight G4N. And the four, now that you could use a three or a four, the four is is just so great, and uh, it's it's so clear. Uh, and the thing with Humminbird, as they get improvements, they'll give you updates, and you can Bluetooth them right onto your unit. So the customer service and the the mapping, the Lake Master, come on, uh, it's it's well, an old. But there's the deal right there. I mean, I don't care if you're where I'm at or where you're at. Probably one of the biggest advantages with the Hummingbird all around is Lake Master. I mean, their mapping is just crazy good. I mean, yeah. me and you both know there's a lot of guys on the Bass Tour that'll have a Hummingbird, even if they're sponsored by a, com- a competitive you know, company. They'll put that thing up underneath their dash to hide it because, you know, if you're ledge fishing or something down south, you just you pretty much have to have that type of mapping, and without it, you're in deep duty. Absolutely, and and I, I see it all the time, and and I tell you, you know, uh, diff, I, I, you know, I, I leave my trucks unlocked when I'm at a gas station or different places. When my mega's in there, I don't, I lock it and, and I watch from the window because <laughs> I love using that thing. And it, it, okay, even forward mode, it's it's fantastic. When you're looking for crappies, we can have no crappies left. That's how good it is. You can see them, and it shows. You could tell the size. And you can see out in the distance and landscape. I haven't had a whole lot of chance to use that yet. I can't wait to use it perch fishing in shallow water, but uh, in down mode, spectacular. The field of view is amazing. You got somebody nearby, like I have Heather, maybe six, eight feet away, and I could watch her jig. Ten feet away, I could watch her jig. You can see your live bait moving. It's uh yeah, it's it's pretty good in my you know my somewhat limited use of it. It's about twenty five feet. You're really good, like yeah, really oh good. yeah. Well, and a lot of times I'm fishing in ten feet of water. Leech, Cass, Winnie, uh, Red Lake, Lake of the Woods. I'll be in uh, twenty two to uh, thirty two as winter progresses out deeper. But I might come back when everybody's off on the mud. I come back because all that real estate is brand new, and you're fishing. Uh, so most of the time. 10 or 14 feet of water, you could see, you know it's not a pike because I see a back fin. Where a pike, it's just this big missile coming through and, and doing the stare down. And But w- when I get into the 20s and 30s, it'll still be a blast. But, you know, just getting used to the unit is important. Now, you got a whole bunch of people out there that I'm using forward viewing, and they might be experts on it now. They're winning tournaments, but they haven't had it more than two years. You know, it's it's a new technology, and um, so it's it's takes getting used to it, and and everything's going to change, and things get simpler. Like it doesn't get any simpler than a transducer wire stick in your unit compared to what everybody else is lugging around. So the world is anticipating it and is excited about it, and um, you know, there's a, there's a few comparatives. Um, there's no comparison with the, the number of things you can do with the, the hummingbird. And, and I have clients that want to, you know, uh, do their thing, but uh, okay, here's, say- the, here's the million dollar question. Cause me and you are hundred percent on the same page, but I'm interested to hear your answer. Cause I get asked yeah. this all the time. People always say, you know, do I need a camera or do I need a, well, I'm going to say electronics. So whether it's mega live or, or helix flasher or, what ice 55 whatever but a camera versus regular electronics 
when when are you using one or the other you know because i know people to me it's both but everybody knows if you had to have one i think i personally would have electronics not a camera but where are you using each one or maybe the camera would be easier to this well i never leave home without an aquavio and this is one of the reasons um in in when you're fishing panfish you simply you can use uh your mega live now uh, i could look for a greater distance and then go drop it in down view you're watching the bluegill come up and grab your waxworm but it doesn't have your hook and then the second gulp it's got the hook you set the hook so you don't miss any fish and then you could see if they're bluegills rock bass uh or crappies or whatever um you can look for spot on the spot like i can look for hard bottom in forward viewing mode with my mega life but i can go over there with the aqua view and see down that hard bottom there's a log and i'm going to fish right here not so close that they go under the zebra mussel log and wrap you because you're going to lose walleyes pike bass whatever you hook under that log aqua view uh, gets you spot on the spot but you watch fish bite in Unleech Lake. The water's clear. The walleyes come up. I use a micro uh, revolution and got it down there in down view mode, and I could see the fish come up. I look to my hummingbird because I can see him in the distance, and I know it's coming. Then I look to the Aquaview screen, and it's it's multi-view is what I call it, and so I can use both in conjunction to each other. So I'm not looking at a dead space on the Aquaview when the walleye isn't there when he comes in. You're looking on this screen. You go over here, and it's fantastic. And you can you can change your jigging cadences depending on how the walleye reacts to your bait. If the walleye's doing a stare down, it's it could come and kill it, or it's just it not quite sure. It's not ready to eat. And if it swims away and doesn't come back, that fish is coming back in a little bit. I see it all the time, and you can see they have a, bl- a blemish, a welt, a cold water wart, and that's the same fish you catch later. Uh, so they do what we call a drive-by, but in fishing, and uh, no game drive- warfare. Yep, the, the 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 drive-by walleye is going through, and then they if they circle around right away, you're going to catch that fish because as soon as they circle around, they're coming in to attack. So it's like an air, airplane landing at an airport; they have to approach it just right, and so it comes up, and they're going to hit your jig, and it's just amazing. You learn so much from both but the aquaview really gives you you know it's like using your eye when you're down there but if you're in dark water you can still have silhouettes if you're running and gunning if i'm if i'm looking for fish and weeds i like to you know put infrared on an aquaview and you can see crappies they flash real platinum and bright and shiny and it's a real good way to find them um but now mega life here here's the thing they're both so good mega live you see movement along the weed strands, so you know it's there. And we're well, learning think, more. And yeah, more. I mean, a camera is gonna, it's gonna positively identify things down there. You know, like when I was at Cascade last year, we dropped the camera down and hundred percent knew that these perch, these balls, like you just showed on the graph there, on your little uh, save deal from tonight, they were just like three or four inch perch, but there was like fifty of them, and so they looked like you know a clumps of bigger fish, or maybe it's the type of weeds or the bottom or something. But so most of the people listening to this podcast are walleye or perch guys through the ice, at least by the questions and stuff that we get. So yeah. If you were in deeper than twenty feet of water, what would be the Aquaview camera to look at that we should think about? What model? Well, you know, if if you're fishing. If you want to be real stealthy and you want to run and gun and you want to fish off a bucket or, or stand, I'd use a micro revolution. But the HD7 has a, a green screen remover, which takes out any it, it, it has a program which makes your picture clearer and you can see better. And uh, it's almost like spy game stuff. So HD7 is nice. You can plug it to a big screen if you've got a wheelhouse. But more importantly, even on Lake of the Woods where you Everybody, oh, the cameras don't really work up there. I'm like, you want to see? And I, I gave one to Mark Arneson to walk around with last year. He couldn't believe You could see a long ways. It all depends on what the freeze-up did. If the mud gets kicked up really bad, it takes a while to settle down. The water looks like chocolate milk. Well, if you can't see with your naked eye, what do you, you could still see silhouettes going by. So I'd say if I had to pick one, I really like the Micro Revolution uh, 5. Um, and then walleyes are not afraid of it, and some fish will actually bite on it. But if you want to see the best image possible, the HD7 
rocks. It's just amazing. And it's an open water. So you got both seasons. You don't want to use them. The micro is okay in open water if you're still fishing. But the HD7, you could hook up weights. Then you could use it in Detroit River. You could use it on, on Erie. And you could put a lot of weight. You could click on a bunch of weights and a fin. And you can really cook down a sandbar and see what's really there. Those cameras have just come crazy far and same, same thing with like the hummingbird you know the mega live and even you know it wasn't that many years ago i was using an ice 55 uh, i think it is and i still do but the helixes yeah. are what the flasher is just with the chirp it's just crazy and i hear guys all the time at seminars i'm sure you do too they're like oh you don't need all that fancy stuff man well, it, it, it sure does help you. I mean, it just helps. There's no just – you can't question that. If you say it doesn't, it's because you haven't used them. If you're fishing, it, then it don't matter. But if you're fishing against the group of animals that I fished against in the tournaments, it, it is a big game changer. And now it's it's like a statistic when you hear how many people were in this tournament of 100 boats that actually didn't have forward viewing. And you'd hear, oh, there was four of them that landed in the money, you know, but they're never at, the, well, some could be at the top, but Heather and I did the I Falls Bass Championship, and we ended up in eighth place. We had side imaging and 360. We didn't have forward viewing, and uh, I, we, we got it now. Watch out. <laughs> that's, and that, that's a quite a field there. I mean, Gussie wasn't in it this year, but uh, we had a lot of, uh, there's some, you know, he's a bass master guy. There's other touring bass people. We do it because it's fun. All right, producer dude, I'm gonna ask him. You know what I'm gonna ask him right now? Do you have uh, share guess? a story? No. Uh, His tip to leave us with. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. But, but I, it, producer, did we have a? We're gonna bet a dollar on on this answer. Bro, a lot of guys choke on this when I say oh, give me whether one he'll good tip. one or not. No, yeah, he, yeah. He he stepped right up to when when he went. Oh, okay. He was like ready to go. He's, so he's, okay, I, I was gonna say I, just, I was just seeing if I was gonna take your dollar tonight because I know you got this. You need to leave us because we could me and you could talk all night. But oh, okay. Leave, leave us with one good, really good tip. Like ice fishing, open water doesn't matter. That is so. Why isn't people talk about this? Uh, well, here's the thing. Here's what I can throw. I'll throw this to you. Um, when I fish, and I recommend doing this, don't go to the bottom and then fish your way up. Start at the bottom of the ice and fish your way down. I'm using spoons, cool. and I like to jig under the ice, refra refract uh, metallic colors off the ice, which looks like a school of minnows, draw fish in from the distance, and if you got a buddy, you want to outfish them. So big, flashy spoon, and a Northland spoon for me, and I'm going to have... A uh, coffin spoon or something, and, and I'm going to drop it incrementally. And fish can see Ooh. from a distance, and you could see over, they could see over weeds. Now, remember, there could be something in, in their way. So, jigging up high draws in fish from a distance. And then, as you get closer to the bottom, they're already anticipating their feeding and they're going to approach it. So, sometimes you'll, if you're fishing in 20 feet of water, you get hit when you're eight, nine feet off the bottom. And then, because that fish hit high, other fish see it from a distance and see the fight and battle. And on perch, it's you're plucking the star off the top of the Christmas tree. And crappies the same. You hear it in crappies, and that's one of the things I coined many years ago. But in perch, that fight in bluegills, that fight draws them in. And walleyes get excited when other walleyes fight. And I've seen it many times. Fish from the bottom of the ice down. Try it and use a spoon and. Uh, Dude, that was an amazing tip, that, and, and I know that to be true as well. Not only was that a good tip, producer, dude, he, that was a really good explanation. Like, that was like a doctorate-level explanation. Yeah, it's good stuff. And open water works also, and we're finding out more and more that walleyes aren't on the bottom when they're feeding. That is a fact. They hang out there, but not when they chew them. And that, those same spoons work in open water. We limited out many days this year, uh, over 70 degrees, pitching coffin spoons and jigging them through sand grass where other like puppets and things would gather up the grass. These you could loft better in the spoons tumble and they do something different. But I noticed when you jig a spoon, sometimes it goes this way or that way. I think sometimes when that spoon goes back at them, they, they slam it. And when, when right when they're chasing perch and they, the crayfish start molting and there's bug hatches, they're grabbing stuff out of the water column. 
but it's a crayfish molting period. You can catch them on spoons. You don't have to drag harnesses. Yeah, that's the the coffin spoon is like a buckshot that glides people, and that is a it's a naughty spoon. That's for sure. If you're perch fishing, though, you want the bro bug spoon. Remember, perch tastes good too. They do. Well, bro, yeah. I want to thank you for giving us your time there. I know uh, we kept you up uh, a little bit there because we both got to get on the water tomorrow, but uh, really appreciate your time and some of that good insight with ice and beyond. Hey, let me know if you get ice there. You know, I don't mind walking a long ways either. So if you get some mm-hmm. ice, don't forget to let me know. I know a guy will give you a ride. <laughs> okay. You guys have a great night and be safe. We don't need statistics to hurt our sport. No. Thanks for tuning into the Big Water Podcast. I'm Ross Robertson with my buddy Brian the Pro Brostall. Make sure you check us out at bigwaterfishing.com, Big Water Fishing on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and then you can check out this podcast through bigwaterfishing.com and YouTube, or if you go to the digital downloads on Stitcher, Spotify, Google, and Apple. I think I hit them all, didn't I, I don't know. With that, we are out.